Well, good morning, Rethink Life. You guys doing good today? All right. Do me a favor and let's give those watching us right now live online one more round of applause and just welcome them into our experience. We appreciate all of you watching and uh, I'm excited about the message. I have a lot I want to share, so I'm going to dive into it uh, as quickly as I can. But before I do, I got to just celebrate something that took place last Sunday evening that was just off the charts, fun. It was with all of our dream teamers for our annual dream team party. We went 60s style. We have some photos to even prove it. I'm talking about some throwbacks. We had some awesome time. We had bowling. We had food. We had some good old 60s music, and then it really got out of control from there. But it was just a great time as we just celebrated and um, really just allowed the folks who do so much here behind the scenes, um, the folks that we refer to as our dream team. These are the men and the women, the students, that allow God to use them each and every week to make an incredible difference. And so I'm just, I could not be more grateful for what God has done already this year and how he's used the people of our church to have such an incredible impact. And so I just think they deserve a round of applause and just affirm them and thank them for all that they do and the amazing people that they are. How'd you like that wig I was wearing? That's pretty cool, wasn't it? Man, I may bring, I'm, that, that, that might actually not just be a wig. That might be something I just do from here on out. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's bring it back. 60s style. That's what I'm talking about. Well, hey, it's great to see all of you. And we have been in this series called My Why. And uh, one of the things I think that we have been learning is that when we understand or discover our why, it puts purpose not just in our life, but really it it helps frame everything that we do because we wake up every day knowing not just our why, but because of our why, it puts purpose in our plans. It puts purpose in, in everything that we pursue in life because we have a mission and we know why God has placed us on this earth. And so with that said, one of the things that we've been uh, kind of saying, if you will, in the form of a question is that everybody has a why. The bigger question is, do you know yours? I think it's one of the saddest things that one could ever encounter is to spend so much of their life just trying to figure things out when God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. The key for us is to discover that purpose. That's why we have growth track. That's the reason why today, uh, at, after our 10 o'clock service, we're going to be having just an opportunity for people once again to maybe work through some exercises, to answer some questions, to discover, if you will, their spiritual gifting, to pull out of their hearts the areas that they really have a passion for, to take their past experiences, to take their current situation and circumstances and the dreams that God's placed in their heart and put all of those things together to really help a person narrow the focus on where they can utilize their strengths in order to make a difference with their lives. Because no matter where that is, I often say, hey, your, your career is what you get paid for, but your ministry is what you are made for. So I don't care what you do in the form of your job, your skill sets, your career, God has you where he has you for a purpose. 
And so we've got to really not just understand our divine purpose, but allow God to use us. That's fulfilling our why. It's, 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 it's the ministry and the mission that God has placed us on this earth to fulfill. And so with that said, we uh, have been looking at a theme verse in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, looking at verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up, or you can follow along uh, there on our app with the outline we've provided for you. And we'll give you a big cheat sheet right here. So check out Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul the Apostle, once again, is reminding us that in, 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 you know, he's, he just went through a long list of some of the great heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, often referred to as the Hall of Faith, some of the great patriarchs, the great men and women of our faith that we have drawn from even in this series. And then Paul continues the conversation of the thought in, in chapter 12 where he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, in other words, all the people have already gone before us, all the people who have already run their race, all the people who, who fulfilled their why, okay, they're in heaven, they're cheering us on. They're affirming us. And they're helping us to realize and, and, and also remember that, hey, we did it, you can do it as well. We, we crossed that finish line and so can you. And so once again, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So don't allow the distractions of this world, don't allow the temptations or even the things of our past to bog us down or distract us, but we've got to keep our eyes locked in on what God has called us to do. Go on to the next verse. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And so with that in mind, God has a race that he has called us to run. And he wants us to finish that race. And he wants us to finish it with great integrity and character. He wants us to finish that race so that we can fulfill the mission that he has called us to fulfill. And so some of the characters that we've already looked at in this series, we looked at, first of all, in the book of Isaiah, we, we really understood some things from Isaiah's life uh, and really the great impact that was made not just in his life, but, but how that's translated in our lives because one of the things we discovered in week one is that when we discover our why, how we actually do that is by having an encounter with God. Our why comes from God. And so because of that, the greatest thing to get clarity and to get focus from is to, is to have that time, to have that moment with God. We have to have an encounter with God. That's the beginning point to really understanding our why. And then we looked at week two, the story of Jacob who wrestled with God. And then finally he had to relinquish control. And when he was willing to let go and let God have his will and way in his life, that's when God began to accomplish great things in Jacob's life. The same is true with us. We have to be willing to let go of our plans and embrace God's plans of what he desires for our lives. And then we looked at Mary. We talked about the amazing mother of Jesus, but yet everything that we learn from her life and her fulfillment of the why, her mission that God had placed inside of her heart. And the last week, of course, we talked about Queen Esther, who God had positioned for such a time as, 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 as he had positioned her for in order to save a generation of people, to save her own people from annihilation. And so God has a why for all of our lives, and he fulfilled that why in each of their lives. And so today, as we kind of come to a conclusion of this series, I think one of the best ways to wrap up this series is to focus on Jesus. 
I mean, think about it. Who better to learn from than Jesus? Nobody ran the race greater, more faithfully than Jesus. In fact, in the next verse, this is a verse that's often overlooked because Roman, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 gets most of the attention, but we're going to continue that thought in Hebrews chapter 12, excuse, excuse me, Hebrews chapter, I'm sorry, let me get my thoughts together here. In John chapter 16, I should say, one of the things that we're going to learn today about Jesus is this. Jesus suffered tremendous hardships and trials. I don't think anybody can understand or relate more to what we go through in our lives than Jesus. I mean, think about it. Jesus encountered just about every form of hardship, a trial. Uh, he went through all kinds of persecution. Uh, obviously, he was betrayed. Um, he was rejected. The Bible says he was despised and rejected of men. People who were closest to him um, basically walked away from him. Um, when you think about all that he endured, when you think about the difficulties of loneliness and, and suffering, all of the opposition, and even, even abandonment that he went through, and yet he ran his race. He fulfilled the mission. And I think the reason why that's so important for us to understand in our lives is simply because we all go through difficulties. And I think one of the reasons why we need to really just keep in perspective who Jesus is and what he went through is simply because when we look to Jesus, that's where we find hope. That's where we find strength. And the reason why that's so important is because Jesus can relate to us. In other words, he's already been where we're at. He's encountered everything that we've ever experienced or ever will experience. He can relate. God came to earth in the form of his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to become one of us. Why? So that he could relate to us. God loves us. He made us so he could have a relationship with us. And man, it was the genius of God to become one of us. Why? So that he could truly empathize and understand everything that we will endure in this world. And that's why I love what John chapter 16, verses 32 and 33 says. But the time is coming, Jesus said. Indeed, it's even here now when you will be scattered. And each one is, is going his own way. You got that verse, guys? Come on, stick with me. All right, guess not. I'll keep going. All right. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone, Jesus is saying. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Hey, aren't you thankful that because Jesus Christ overcame the world, that you and I can also overcome the difficulties in this life as well? Because he overcame, you can overcome. And so that brings tremendous, man, just incredible encouragement to my life and to my heart, knowing that no matter what comes against me, it doesn't knock me down. It doesn't defeat me. Why? Because Jesus is alive. He arose from the grave. We're celebrating that in two weeks. And because he conquered death, hell, and the grave, because he overcame, we too can overcome. So let me just say this, that when you ever feel like giving up, 
Man, when you ever feel like you've come to that place where you just want to quit, you want to throw in the towel because life is hard or circumstances are happening and you just want to kind of run away from everything and everybody, maybe to escape from your current reality, can I just encourage you with one thought? And this is the one thing I want you to hang your hat on today, and that is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't put your eyes on your circumstances no, keep your eyes on Jesus. I'll never forget my dad. Uh, he used to have a unique characteristic about him. Uh, he, was a, he was a preacher. And, um, and because he traveled and uh, because God used him the way he did, a lot of people would ask my dad. This kind of sounds a little weird maybe for some, but uh, because of the spiritual impact that he would have on a lot of people's lives, they would approach my dad and they would say, Would you sign my Bible? And so a lot of times what my dad would do is he would, um, he would take, and he had a trademark. He would always write with a felt-tip pen. He would never use a ballpoint pen. And he, he always carried a red and a black felt-tip pen with him. And so he would write in a very unique way of printing out. He didn't write in cursive. He printed out his, his, his signature and in his sentences. He would always print it out. And so what he would do is he would always use this statement. He would say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Everything and everyone will let you down. Jesus never will. Now, I've had, I have that in my Bible. And, it, and it's, it's just been something that's always been that constant reminder that, you know what, it's true. Because life is hard. People are going to come. People are going to go. I mean, people are going to fall short of your expectations. People are going to abandon you, desert you. But even though the world may fall, and even though the world may disappoint, and even though the world may try to get us distracted, let me tell you something. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the, the finisher of our faith, let me tell you something. God has our back. Because Jesus overcame, that inspires us to keep running our race because we too can overcome. Here's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Check this out. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. And I love this, how it's captured in the message. Study how he did it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to study how Jesus did it, not how Oprah did it. Not how, you know, somebody, you know, some, some famous celebrity out there or somebody who's got, you know, the latest, greatest five-step this or that. No, 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 no. What we're going to do is we're just, we're just going to, we're going to study how Jesus did it, okay? We're just going to lock in on Jesus today. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. Jesus never forgot his why. He didn't come to earth after six months being here and say, man, now what in the world did the Father ask me to do? I can't remember. No, he, he, was, he was focused on his why. He, he was fulfilling his mission. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating faith, finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, in other words, when you find yourself wanting to give up, when you find yourself at times maybe feel like you don't have enough gas left in your tank to finish running the race of faith, when you feel like, when you feel like just giving up, go over that story again, Paul is saying. 
item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Don't you love the way that's captured? I love that. Because listen, there are going to be times in your life when you are going to feel like throwing the towel. There are going to be distractions. There are going to be temptations. There are going to be things that the enemy will use to distract you from your wife, from your mission, from your purpose. That's his agenda. But we got to lock in on Jesus. we got to study how he did it so we can keep running our race and so that ultimately we can cross the finish line. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to run through these as quickly as I can. But today what I want to do is I want to, as we approach Easter in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be celebrating Resurrection Day. But, you know, next Sunday is, of course, Palm Sunday. And we're going to be kind of walking through this experience, this journey, as we prepare ourselves for the greatest day that ever took place. You know, we often talk about Good Friday and a lot of people are always confused by Good Friday. It's like, well, how could it be Good Friday when Jesus went through so much heartache and suffering and pain on the cross? It's a good question. Well, or it certainly wasn't good for him. It was his worst day. But it was Good Friday for you and me. Simply because of all that Jesus went through on the cross. He paid the ultimate sin debt. He paid the ultimate price that we all deserve to pay. But instead, Jesus paid it for our behalf. So it was good for us. It was bad for him, but it was good for us. Simply meaning there's hope and there's forgiveness. There's salvation. There's new beginnings. Listen, there's purpose. There's eternal life. Because of what he did, that's good news. And so with that in mind, there are seven lessons that, that come into our lives that we can apply into our lives as we run our race based on the seven last statements that Jesus gave on the cross. So I want you to think about this for a moment. When Jesus was, when Jesus, when Jesus was falsely accused and he was taken and he was, he was beaten, and he was, they placed that crown of thorns upon his brow and they made him carry his own cross to that hill called Golgotha. And when they nailed the spikes to his hands and through his feet and they, they, uh, they raised that cross upright and he literally was suspended. He was hanging on this cross. And, 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 and what's crazy is that in, in Roman times, execution was basically equivalent to crucifixion because crucifixion was the most horrific form of execution. And so the pain and the, the bodily injury that went through because what happened was that basically the sockets, the shoulders went out of place and, and so often their hips or their knees would come out of place. And so they were literally suspended with all their body weight just suspended with nails driven through their hands and their feet. And so here you have Jesus in the center of two criminals to his side. And so in this moment, Jesus utters seven specific statements that we can process and we can apply as we run our race, as we stay focused on the mission that God has for us. And the first is this. Jesus said this. And, 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 and here's the lesson that we learn. Number one, forget everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Forget everyone who is trying to ruin your life. Let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody? Can, does any name or any face come to mind of somebody who through the years, or maybe somebody currently in your sphere of influence, has tried to ruin your life? In other words, somebody who's tried to make your life miserable. It's almost as though they've been to our growth track and they went through the spiritual gift test 
and they went through our shape profile and they discovered that their greatest passion and greatest source of gifting is to make your life miserable. You ever been around people like that? I mean, they're just, man, they just take, a, they, they just take the air out of it, everything. And so we all have those people in our lives. And the unfortunate thing is, is that the truth is, is that those people who have made life hard on us, those who have, for whatever reason, said things or done things to our lives, um, have left wounds. And I think without question, one of the hardest things to overcome in life are relational wounds. No doubt about it. It's what I, it's what I work through when, as a pastor and working through so many people's situations and circumstances. And I have come to realize, that I, without exaggeration, probably about 90% of all of the issues and problems that so many people deal with in their life, somehow, some way, it is tied to relational wounds in their life. And so because of that, it's easy to carry those wounds throughout our lives. It's, it's easy to carry those wounds into other relationships. It's easy to sometimes just kind of spew over into someone else's life simply because of what somebody has spewed over into our life. It's the old saying, hurting people hurt people. And so if we're not careful, we can translate those same wounds and those same hurts to other people. And that's why when Jesus was hanging on the cross, listen, when, when he's when he's going through the pain and the suffering, he just went through abandonment. He just went through betrayal. He, just went, he was just falsely accused. He went through every form of shame and pain that you could possibly imagine. The humiliation that he endured while he's hanging on the cross. And in this moment, rather than retaliating, rather than spewing out words of condemnation or, 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 or maybe judgment upon those who had treated him so harshly, notice what he said. Here's his statement. In Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. So let me just remind you, for those who have tried to ruin your life, for those who have brought tremendous hurt and pain, they brought wounds into your world. Let me tell you something. You've got to understand that they're just acting out in their own sin. They're acting out in ways that, listen, that is consistent with their sinful nature. We're all sinners. And so at the end of the day, listen, the people who have hurt us and those who have fallen short of our expectations, listen, we've got to be willing to let it go. Why? Because resentment is a dream killer. There is nothing that will bring greater disappointment. There is nothing that will, that will bring I think just discouragement to your future than hanging on to stuff that other people have brought into our lives. We've got to be willing to let it go and learn to walk in forgiveness. You know why it's so important that we forgive? And by the way, you don't forgive. You don't forgive for the other person's sake. No, you forgive for your sake. Man, it's like I heard someone say, bitterness is like holding a match. It only burns the one that's holding it. So we have to let go of all of those things. The Bible says get rid of all rage and anger and malice. Get rid of all those things. But here's what forgiveness is not. It's not minimizing the seriousness of it. Yeah, what they did was wrong or what they did was hurtful. So it's not minimizing it at all. It was serious. It was real and it hurt. Forgiveness is not just simply saying it was okay. Because what they did was not okay. What they said was not okay. 
It still hurts. And forgiveness is not instant restoration of trust of the person who violated that trust. So we don't just say, oh, okay, well, I'm, you know, you're sorry, I'm sorry. Let's no, no, trust has to be earned. And so we have to realize that, you know what? Yes, what people did to us was hurtful, and those relational wounds cut deep to the heart. But we have to be willing to do as Jesus did and forgive them. Why? Because they do not know what they're doing. Number two, I think this is, and by the way, can I just say this? I believe this is a word for somebody. Don't allow what has happened to you to become bigger than what Jesus did for you. So just let it go. Let it go. The second statement that we learn from, from uh, Jesus and the lesson that we apply to our lives is that help, help, we have to help others who are experiencing your same struggle. So in essence, in, in, in the worst day of Jesus' life, think about this. He's dying on a cross. And so here he is hanging on this cross. And as I stated a few moments ago, these, 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 these people who were being executed on the cross, I mean, the, they didn't die necessarily from the pain or the wounds that were inflicted. It was typically because they, they would die as a result of, of suffocation. And so here, here is here is. Jesus that is now suspended between two thieves. And, and we pick up the story in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 and 43. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. And he said, so you're the Messiah, are you? Well, prove it by saving yourself and us too. And while you're at it, he's he, 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 he saying, hey, just save us. If you are who you say you are, while you're at it, save us. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So in this moment, put yourself in Jesus' situation. In this moment, it would only be natural and normal when you are literally hanging on for dear life. When somebody is hurling insults at you and the other person is saying, hey, please forgive me, please remember me, it would be easy to say to both of those guys, guys, listen, I got my own issues to deal with you. Y'all take care of yourselves. You know what I'm saying? But no, he wasn't focused on himself. Instead, he was focused on someone else. And because of the one who was willing to still believe, the one who was still willing to embrace the innocence of who Christ was, Jesus ultimately gave him salvation in his final moments. I want to say something to you that, um, and then challenge you with something that we did this past Wednesday, our first Wednesday service. We had a an awesome time of worship. I love our first Wednesdays, and I just want to encourage you to make first Wednesdays a priority in your, in your schedule and your calendar. But one of the things that we did this past Thursday night, excuse me, this past Wednesday night, was we had the opportunity to um, have people just submit names of people that they're praying for, that they're going to reach out to and invite to come to be a part of our Easter services. And uh, we had people come forward and submit those names. And, and so here's what we're actually going to do. We're going to invite you to do the same thing. We're going to invite you to text a name 
of somebody that you know, maybe a family member, maybe a classmate, maybe a coworker, somebody you know that's spiritually lost, somebody that maybe typically doesn't go to church. But what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to collect names. And as, we, as you see these names that are scrolling, those are just the names that were turned in on Wednesday night. And we want to add your friends' names. We want to add your family members' names to this list. And all you got to do is just simply text their first name. Just text their first name to that number on the screen. And what we're going to do is we're going to, listen, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray that God will soften their hearts. We're going to pray that God will use your prayers. That God will use all of our prayers. And that there will be some divine appointments made in the lives of people. Amen. That, that God will bring the lost in. And it will go beyond just our prayers, but we'll put feet, feet to our faith and we'll actually invite people to be a part of the process. And I love what Isaiah 58 verse 10 says, Spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noon day. I love that. Spend yourselves. So spend yourselves in prayer. Spend yourselves over the next couple of weeks inviting people. And notice whose life, notice whose life will be impacted the most. Your light, the scripture says, will rise in the darkness. And your night will become like the noonday. So again, the point is, is that when we help others, when we are experiencing the, the difficulties and the struggles of life, when we reach out and we take the focus off of ourselves and we help other people who are going through difficulties, we're the ones who will benefit the most. Trust me, our focus goes off of ourselves. And when we start putting it on the, uh, the lives of other people, God does incredible things in us and through us. And so with that said, there's a third thing. And that is, be sure you've taken care of those closest to you. Be sure you've taken, you, be sure you've taken care of those closest to you. You know, what's interesting is that the people that we love the most are often those that we hurt the most. And isn't it sad that so often we can, we can be nice to our boss at work or be nice to the people we work with during the day and yet come home and take out everything on our spouse or our kids. In other words, they get the brunt of all that we go through. And the Bible says it this way. The Bible says in John 19, verses 21, 26 through 27, when Jesus was on the cross. So when Jesus looked down... I'm sure he's seeing his mom. You see Mary, who's there at the foot of the cross. And as Jesus is looking down at his mother, he sees his, his, his greatest friend, a disciple named John. He sees John and he sees his mother. And I'm sure in Jesus' mind, the human aspect of his life was his mother. It's the one that brought him into the world. The woman that he loved, the woman that he called mom. That was the humanness of his life. And yet... In this moment, I'm sure Jesus is thinking, who's going to take care of mom? And so here's what Jesus says. So when Jesus looked down, he said, mother, he said, look, John will be a son to you. And then he said to John, look, she will be a mother to you. And from that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. In essence, right there at the very last moment, when Jesus was dying on the cross, again, his focus wasn't on himself. The focus was on the people that he loved and cared for the most. And I think it's important 
when we think about the difficulties in life that we go through. That's why we need a spiritual family. That's why we need brothers and sisters in the Lord that can come alongside and do life with us and encourage us and pray for us and be there for us when we go through our most difficult and darkest times in our lives. The fourth thing that we learn, the fourth statement is this. Realize that until you get to heaven, there are just some things that you will never understand. That's so important. And here's the reason why that's so important. Because Jesus, again, when he went through the garden, he was praying there in Gethsemane. Remember what he said? He was basically saying, God, if there's any other way than what I'm about to endure, please, please, God, let this cup pass from me, this cup of suffering that he was about to endure. And then when he was on the cross, remember those words that he uttered? He said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So yeah, there are going to be times on this side of heaven when we go through situations and circumstances. And trust me, I've been through them, you've been through them, and you will continue to go through them. And there are going to be those moments when you're running your way, real race, and things come along. Opposition, hardships, trials. Listen, just unexpected twists and turns that suddenly throws a curveball at us. And we're thinking, God, what in the world are you doing? Honestly, there are just some things in this world that we will never fully understand. But the good news is, one of these days, listen, when we stand before God... And we're able to spend that time with Him. And we're able to listen to what God's ultimate eternal purposes were for our lives... Then all of a sudden, all the things that we endured in the here and the now, all the things on this side of heaven, in this world, one of these days, God will connect all those dots and we will see for ourselves, God, now I understand. It makes total sense. You know why? Because God is in control of all things. And when God puts it all into perspective, the only thing we're going to be able to say is say, God, thank you for being so faithful. So I just want you to understand something today. That we have to realize until we get to heaven that there are some things that you will never, ever understand. Fifth statement is this. I'm rushing through these. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. You know, it's always interesting to me that so often when people are going through their hardest, most difficult days, that's when a lot of times people will retreat and they'll isolate themselves and they'll kind of separate themselves from other people when that ought to be the very time that we run to people, that we run to the church, that we seek help and support and encouragement and prayer from the people who care about us the most. And I think so often what happens is pride gets in our way. I think sometimes we even try to, you know, embrace the the self-sufficiency of, well, I'll work through this when God just says, no, 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 just bring your cares, bring your struggles, bring everything to me and let me help you walk through this so you don't do it alone. That's why we need to do life with other people. It's why life groups are so critically important, that we find people that we can do life with, a band of brothers and sisters that will walk through life's journey. The sixth thing that we learn, the lesson from the seven statements, number six is this. Be assured that there is a purpose and an end. I love that. Be assured 
that there is a purpose and an end. In John 19, verse 30, Jesus said, and this is what a lot of people think were his final words when he said, it is finished. That was not his final words. But what that was, was the fulfillment of what he came to do. His why, his mission. When he said, it is finished, that simply meant what I came to do, my assignment from God has been completed. Because of salvation and because of the forgiveness of sin, the price to be paid had been done. It was finished. And so in that moment, what that tells you and what that tells me and the lesson that we can apply to our lives is that, is that you know, there is a purpose in everything that we endure, but there's also an end. In other words, it's not going to last forever. Remember, Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, but there is going to be an end to all pain and all suffering and all heartache in our lives. Aren't you thankful for that? And so just think about those that are walking through their worst moments. Just rem remember, there is a purpose even in the midst of the pain. And there will be an end to the pain. At some point, God will bring it all to closure. And then the last lesson that we learn is this. Finally, surrender your day to God and then let it go. And notice what Jesus said. Here's what he said. He said, Father, these were his final words. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And, then though, and in those words, he breathed his last breath. So in essence, what Jesus did, he relinquished everything back to God. And he said, here's my life. And he breathed his, his last breath. So he gave his life back to God. He fulfilled his mission. He completed his why. So those are seven statements that Jesus gave in those final hours of him hanging on the cross. Seven lessons that we can apply to our lives as we run our race. And so we keep fighting the good fight of faith and fulfill the mission and the assignment that God has for us. And the greatest single thing we can do sometimes, once again, is to get out of the way so that God can have his way in every area of our lives. In other words, we just relinquish control. We stop trying and we just start trusting God to be God and do what only he can do in us and through us. Amen. What an incredible, incredible lesson to apply to our lives as Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, who fulfilled his why in a way that we can all follow so that we can study how he did it. Let's bow our heads together in prayer.